Release date, November 7th, 2022. This is TBD Sportscast with your host, I'm Mason. And I'm Isaac. Welcome to another episode of TBD Sportscast College Football. Uh, basically what we're doing here, week 10 review. I mean, we are just looking at the biggest games from this past weekend and, you know, giving our thoughts on them. So jumping right in, man, you know we got to hit it right up front. The number one Tennessee Volunteers taking on the number three Georgia Bulldogs. And who came away? Who came away with that win? Let us know, Isaac. The dogs. The freaking dogs, baby. Yes. The dogs came away. I said it last week in the podcast. I mean, I was right. What I said last week was that I thought Georgia's defense was going to overpower Tennessee's high-powered offense. And I thought that Georgia was going to have the edge in that game because of that. I was correct, but not only was I correct, the offense was, I mean, they just played outstanding. I mean, yeah, we had some offensive turnovers, right? Uh, you know, we started out with a fumble on the first drive. I think it was second or third play. Dejan Edwards gets a couple yards, and then boom, they, he gets hit and it's knocked out. But luckily, that only turned into three points. And then later in the game, the rain came down, and that helped force a fumble again from Branson Robinson. But the thing is, out of out of two turnovers that we had, on, which were both fumbles, we only gave away three points, which is really good. Um, some here's here's my keys to the game, though. This is really how we won. The first one is that Stetson played smart football in one of the in our first. He scored our first touchdown. He gets out of the pocket for a ten yard gain for the touchdown. He gets caught behind the line. It looks like he's about to get taken down by the legs, and he high steps out of it and he just runs to the corner and he dives for the end zone for the pylon and he and he breaks the plane and we get the touchdown there. I mean, and he he just played smart all afternoon. He made good decisions. And I said whichever team is going to win this game, it's going to be the one that plays basically perfect football. Stetson threw no interceptions. He made no bad passes. I mean, he he just looked like he did in week one against Oregon. Maybe not that good, but he looked good yesterday. Second thing, our run game, man. Edwards and McIntosh, they made huge runs. And, I mean, not just only did they run, make huge runs. This is important, too. They made runs for first downs. And what's important about that is, especially late in the game, we got to chew clock, right? Every first down, it chews more clock. Um, and, and that really helped put us ahead. Um, and you know what? We, this is what we said to Tennessee. We said, y'all can go deep. Well, guess what? We can, too. Stetson Bennett makes a huge 50-yard pass to Arian Smith. Uh, and you got another one to Lad McConkey for a touchdown for 37 yards. You even got another 48-yard reception to running back Kenny McIntosh. I mean, I mean, he—they just are wide receivers, man. It's like the most that I've seen them all day. Our wide receivers got more yardage than our tight ends did, which has been the complete opposite all year. All right. And then we had another miraculous catch by Rosemey Jackson in the end zone for a touchdown at the back of the end zone. I mean, he probably jumped up two feet. Kent got up and then turning in midair, grabbing the football, came down and got two feet in. I mean, it was a great play. Stetson put it pretty high. Rosemey had to get up there. And Rosemey Jackson, man, he got up there and he grabbed that ball. Special teams, man, they played amazing. We had that 75-yard punt from Brett Thorson that hit the ground around the – I mean, he punted it from like the 20-yard line on the Georgia side and got it all the way to the other 20 and man it just rolled and what does it do it I mean it just goes out of bounds right at the one yard line and we get it we, we put the we put the voles inside the end zone so really good there defense 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 man I said it last week I said defense is what's gonna put our 
team over the edge, over the Volunteers. And, I mean, everybody was saying, well, Tennessee's defense is really high-powered. They're too fast. They'll move way too fast for the Georgia defense to get any type of leverage on them. There's no way that the Georgia defense can overcome the Tennessee offense. Well, swing and a miss to everybody who said that because that is not how it went down. What our defense did differently in this game than they did against every other game is they played pretty much strictly man coverage. There was no zone defense. They made the receivers have to beat them. They said, all right, we're not going to give you any zone. You either have to hit a slant across the middle or you're going to have to beat us. I mean, Keely Ringo, he got called for holding and pass interference all day, but the thing is he kept the guys in front of him and there was no long passes. Uh, I mean, and with that, Hooker overthrew almost every single guy that he threw to. He didn't get one pass to Jalen Hyatt for more than 20 yards. The Alabama game, right? It's like, man, Jalen Hyatt ran for like 60 plus yards on five touchdowns. And it's like, yeah, cool. Well, he couldn't do that against us. That's what I was saying, man. It was like Tennessee looked good because they hadn't played a good defense all year. And we're like the second best defense in the nation. There's no way that they were going to outplay or outrun us. All right. So that brings me to my next point. We stopped the run game and stopping the run game against the Vols is what hurt their ability to pass. So because we stopped the run that couldn't open up the pass. So we stopped the run. We stopped the pass. Right. And with Hinden Hooker's inability to th- throw right on target because we're in man coverage and we're playing so well, that really hurt Tennessee's offense. And I really think that th- those are just huge keys to winning the game. Um, another one is, is something that Josh Pate from the late kick show said that I heard him say last week and something that is really good that Georgia does that I didn't even really think about is they don't win by really, really big margins, right? I mean, we only won, we won by 15 points. I mean, in the scheme of things, that, that's really good. We allowed two field goals and a touchdown. But something that we do well is we can get ahead quickly and then what do we do? We choke the other team out by just running the clock. In the third quarter, we took nine minutes out of that drive by just running the ball up the field. Now, on third downs, if it was third and long, I mean, Stetson made some really good passes, some really smart decisions, got one to McConkey um, on a third and 10 for you know 15 yards, got us to the first down, and we just kept choking them out and choking them out and choking them out and ended up with a field goal. The only, Literally, the only two scores in the second half was a field goal by us and a touchdown by Tennessee. So, I mean, it was pretty defensive in the second half, but the other part being our, de- our our offense, man, we just ran the ball and ran the clock out the entire second half. We were in control. There's no way that we were letting Tennessee come back on us. So, I mean, that that's, 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 that's a huge one. And I'd probably say the biggest one is this one right here, crowd noise and their ability to affect the game. Tennessee had eight pre-snap penalties. Just like we saw against Arkansas last year in the first quarter, they had two false starts in a row. Well, guess what? In the second half, Tennessee, two false starts in a row. It was third, I think it was third and seven on the on the Georgia 20. And they got a false start that put them back at third and 12. And then another false start that put them back at third and 17. <laughs> so we just kept driving them back. But the crowd was just 
insane. It got so loud in there. They affected everything that Tennessee did. They weren't able to communicate well. So many pre-snap penalties. I mean, it was just a nightmare for Tennessee, seriously. And just to go back to the defense, I mean, seriously, our defense, they just showed up. They played. I mean, we got like three or four sacks. They they played really, really well. And I said that was going to be the difference between Tennessee and and Georgia. But the thing that really surprised me was just how well our offense played, man. I mean, it was air raid all the first half. We got we got quick points because we got downfield quickly. I was saying, man, we really should start slowing down a little bit because we're going to be on offense for like five minutes and score a touchdown. And then our defense is going to have to be back out there for like 10 or 15. But still, man, I mean, our defense, they held up really well. The last thing I'll say about this game, and this kind of made me mad, how was that not a safety? I wish I knew. I mean, how is it not a safety? We were, I mean, the, even the announcers who were like hating on Georgia against Florida last week were like, wow, that's a bad call. I mean, I don't know what they were thinking. I mean, you can see that Hendon Hooker throws it backwards. It's not a forward pass because the ball went backwards. They, a Tennessee guy picks it up in the end zone, tries to get it out, goes down in the end zone, fumbles the ball, and they say that he recovered it on the one on the half yard line. I mean, everybody was confused. They said that the call stands, which means that there wasn't good enough video evidence to overturn the call. But still, that should have been a safety. The score should have been 29 to 29 to 13. I told my dad, though, when that happened, I was like, I swear, if we lose by two points, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> I mean, you're looking at the fact that his arm literally comes down on the goal line with the football. I mean, by definition of a... Well, his, his, his leg was down first. Exactly. By definition of a touchdown, the ball crosses the plane. It's a touchdown. If the ball didn't come out of the end zone and he's down, that's a safety. Like, I don't understand. And the ball has to come all the way out of the end zone. Exactly. Just to finish up a long statement, because I know that was a lot, and I'm going to let Isaac give his thoughts on this game for a second, but... I mean, I am just so proud of the dogs. I was so nervous all the, all week, and I kind of lost a little bit of faith in them because I just did not know. I mean, I kind of believed the media hype about Tennessee and to 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 Georgia, man. I'm sorry, y'all y'all did not let me down. I love you guys, and uh, let's go win the ship, baby. All right. Well, I gotta say, Mason, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts to add to the Georgia and Tennessee game. I did watch it, but once once Georgia went up by ten, and I saw the defense was continually, you know, just keeping Georgia or keeping Tennessee's offense shut down. I was like, man, like you know, ten minutes left in the fourth, and they were up by like fourteen. I was like, this game's over. I mean, because Georgia's defense is the real deal, and I think that's that's what we've come to understand, you know, this week is that. You know, Tennessee's offense is good. I mean, you can't deny that. But Georgia's defense is the real deal, and, and they shut down what I consider to be the top offense in the country. And the fact they did that goes to show, number one, they should be that ranking, number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, the fact that, I mean, they are, they are in all reality, the team to beat um, and the team to potentially defend their title for possibly the first time in the CFP era. So, I mean... Georgia, they're solid, man. Congratulations on the win. A great game. And, uh, I mean, just a big one. A big game. And, um, yeah, that's all I got to say, man. This is a good one. I called it in week zero, man, on our first episode. I said, I'm calling the Georgia Bulldogs to come back and repeat the first team to do it. So we'll see if it happens. But the last thing I'll say about them is that team is the number one team in the country. And there's no doubt in my mind. So, like I said, let's go win out. Let's win the SEC championship. Let's win the playoff. 
and let's win the national championship. All right, next game up, and I'm going to let him take it because this is the other big game this week. This is the one that that is, I mean, I, I was happy about it. I know he was crazy about it. Man, this is number six, Alabama losing in Death Valley at LSU. And before I let you go, I just want to say, me and Isaac both picked LSU to win this game, and Joey picked Alabama. So, sorry, bud. We won. All right, man. Give it to me. First of all, how about them Tigers, baby? I mean, just just a great... How about them freaking Tigers, dude? How about them Tigers? Just a great Saturday night, man. I'll tell you, I was almost in tears. Um, But I think, you know, I said last week, and I've said it the past couple of weeks, since LSU has kind of found their stride since the Florida game, you know, this is a team that had to play mistake-free or nearly mistake-free football in order to win the game. And by golly, they freaking did it. No turnovers... I mean, a, a honest to goodness, just a, a great performance on offense. You know, Jaden Daniels threw for 182. He rushed for 95. He had 277 all-purpose yards. Uh, the big thing was that he made when he threw the ball, he made smart plays. You know, he made smart passes. You know, he was almost 69% completion percentage. I I I can I honestly. I was one that, you know, for after the first couple of weeks, I said, I don't know that Jaden Daniels is a fit, man. You know, he was playing like a dual threat and he wasn't he wasn't passing the ball. And then I'll be honest, I think I think what happened was after the Tennessee game, you know, him and Coach Kelly had a talk and Coach Kelly said he told him, Go out there, trust your receivers, trust yourself. And he started doing that. And lo and behold, even though we come from behind against Auburn and he didn't have a big game there, Florida, Ole Miss, and Alabama, he's had huge games. He's throwing the ball. And honest to God, he just looks like a, like a totally different player from the first few weeks of the season. Um, the, the red zone defense, the first half, being able to keep Alabama scoreless and out of the end zone to the second half was huge. You know, an interception and then two field goals. They had three red zone trips, no touchdowns in the first half. I cannot stress that enough, especially considering they let Alabama get to the five on their first drive of the game in the first quarter, and they picked Bryce Young off by putting pressure on him when he went to scramble. You know, they got they put pressure on him. He scrambled, and right in front of the line of scrimmage, he's like, oh, I've got a guy. No, you don't. He got picked off. So just a, a an all-around, the, the red zone defense, I can't say enough about it, man. You know, Matt House has has taken a, an LSU defense that is a bunch of recruits, transfers, and 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 returning players, and just turned it into a, a really a really good group of guys. Uh, pressuring the youngin, you know, we put ten hurries on Bryce on Bryce Young. Um, you know, two sacks. Granted, they sacked Jaden six times, but Jaden was resilient. Man, he stayed in the pocket. You know, there was a play. There was a play early on where they got pressure back there, and uh, it was actually we got a rough in the pa- a rough in the passer call when they hit they hit Jaden late, but you know he stood there and he took the hit and he made the pass, and the fact that he he didn't just his first instinct wasn't to tuck and run, just goes to show the growth that's been made in the past ten weeks for Jaden Daniels and the LSU offense. Offensive line got pummeled early. Mason made sure to text me that and say, "Man, the offensive line is really struggling." And they were, and and I won't sit here and say they had a great night. I mean, they gave up six sacks compared to the two we got on on Bryce Young. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we got it done. Um, you know, I think multi, I think one of the big keys on defense was the schemes. You know, Matt House kept it going, and Alabama did hit their stride in the third quarter. You know, they had a big a big. Um, Drive where the announcer said, "Oh, there's that 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 Bama offense. They're they're in they're in a rhythm, and they were they were they were in a rhythm, and you know they got down the field. And I think that's when they got in the end zone first. Um, but all in all, you know they they rushed the corner. There was a couple plays I know late in the game where they brought up a safety. They had Greg Brooks blitz a couple of times, uh, kept the man in his own coverage. They kept it moving, and all in all, I mean." Uh, 
I don't really have the words to encompass what what last night meant. And uh, I just want to let the TBD listeners know that I had tickets to this game and I sold them. And I'm really upset that I didn't go, but uh, but it worked out because I didn't spend the money I would have spent if I would have gone. But um, and then last but not least. Uh, Harold Perkins is a true freshman and the fact that that coach Kelly has been able to get him and BJ Ojolari on the field at the same time is has been huge you know BJ had like eight eight or ten tackles last night I think uh, Perk had had like six he had three hurries and a sack and there was a play there was a play where Perkins got around the edge he got thrown to the ground on a hold gets up and chases Bryce Young down from behind and forced him to throw the ball away this kid is 18 years old and just playing like like a vet. I mean, I don't I don't have the words for it, but I mean, Harold Perkins played like a a freaking veteran at 18 years old, and I love that kid. Super excited to see what he does in a Tiger uniform the next three years. And last but not least, Brian freaking Kelly. I've got to say, we scored the touchdown, and I said, man. We should probably just kick it. You know, we'll get it. We'll get the ball right back. We'll get into a shootout with him. I trust the defense to make the play. And then I watched. I watched Coach Kelly's post game uh, video in the locker room, and he said, "I wasn't going to let anybody else determine the outcome of that game, but you guys." And uh, I wish he would have said, "Y'all." I'm just a Southerner, so. Uh, but he said, "You guys," and he said, "I wish." He said, "You guys were going to determine the outcome of that game." And and I just got to say, Mason Taylor, Jason Taylor's son. Dude, this kid was playing high school football a year ago. He's 18, a true freshman, hasn't even been in college six months, makes not makes the touchdown to put LSU ahead late in the fourth with a, a, a corner dropping back on him and a safety all over his back, and then makes the biggest catch of the game on the out route. And I, I'll give full credit to Mason Taylor on the catch, but that out route, the where he was at on the half-yard line, a th- that throw by Jaden Daniels had to be perfect with a DB in the flat, and bless God, he made the throw. Uh, go Tigers, man. What a great night. I was almost in tears. I fell on the floor. I, I screamed. My-, my throat has been sore all day. Um, but go Tigers, man. We're ready to rock and roll against Arkansas next week, and uh, we got the win, and we're in the top ten. And uh, just just looking forward to seeing what Brian Kelly does at LSU, man. Go Tigers. I just got three things to say. One, Mason Taylor. What a heck of a player, man. And I, I mean, he kind of gave me Brock Bowers vibes, man. Uh, I mean, obviously Brock Bowers is, you know, a way better tight end, and I'm not comparing the two, but the vibes being that, like, this dude came in, he was a true freshman, and, I mean, had a huge impact in this game. Uh, the second thing that I'll say is that a lot of people were surprised about this, but I really wasn't. Um Alabama's defense, and we saw this against Tennessee, has some huge holes. And LSU's defense is actually pretty good, especially their secondary. Now they got lit up a couple times, but I mean, hello, it's Bryce Young. You know, the kid is a good quarterback. Um, but it's it's honestly, it's it's the play calling, dude. I think the play calling at Alabama is what's killing the man. Bill O'Brien and Pete Golding I, I have killed Alabama's season. Nick Nick Saban needs to get some better coordinators in there. And the third thing I'll say is this, and I texted it in our group chat on Saturday night. And after that one, after that win, like after just the the confidence of Brian Kelly to go for two on that one, it I, I said this in our group chat: the Bayou just bought into Brian Kelly, and they, I think they really have. And like you, I love what he said, 
in the post game. I wasn't going to let anybody decide that game but you guys. And they did freaking decide it, man. And what a great play call. Now, that's that's how you run a corner route, Texas A&M, going for two, <laughs> okay, against Alabama. You get it out to the screen, you know, and make the make the pass. <laughs> so that's how you do that. Um, but yeah, man, just what a great win for LSU. They're they're leading they're leading the West now. So I think I think that you know well I mean, obviously if LSU goes undefeated, I know Alabama gonna be hoping they don't. But LSU go undefeated the rest of the season and uh, they're in the ship. So I'm shocked. You know, looking back at at, at two months ago or a month, yeah two months ago, God, this years flown by. Uh, you know, when we lost to Florida State. Everybody was like. They made memes about Brian Kelly and the face he made. Some of the faces he made, they were like, when you remember, you still have to play Bama. Well, guess what? He just beat Bama in his first year. His first win against Alabama and Nick Saban, period. And I think that's part of the reason, I'll say this real quick, that's part of the reason I think he went for two. Because he said back in May on the Varsity Podcast, he said, he said of course I want to beat Nick Saban. Who doesn't? And so he said, well, you know what? Why the freak not? You know, why not? Why get into a shootout? Why don't we just go ahead and close this thing out? And they did. And uh, I think I think the TAF is going to be thrilled to write that two hundred fifty thousand dollars check to the SEC for the fine. I think they're thrilled about it, and um, they're lining up for it, man. I, I know I would be. Go Tigers! I'm just I'm so thrilled. Golly! And last thing I'll say is, for a coach that had a pretty terrible start. LSU and Brian Kelly, I mean, they have turned things around midseason, and they look really freaking good. I mean, I think the turning point for them was when, after Tennessee, they came out against Ole Miss, and I mean, they just throttled them in the second half. I mean, Jaden, you want to talk about Jaden Daniels trusting his receivers? That game was great. But we're going to move on now to just, just a couple games uh, just to talk about them. Uh, Texas Tech at seven, number 7 TCU this past weekend. Obviously, they get the dub by 10 points. Um, I mean, for me, CFP committee, they need to rank them. They need to rank them five or, or, or up probably five or number four. I don't think they're top three, but they definitely does. I mean, they're, they're one of only four undefeated. There's only four undefeated teams in college football right now. It's Georgia, Ohio state, Michigan, and TCU. I think TCU deserves the fourth spot, but we'll see what happens when, when the rankings come out. All right. Uh, next one, Michigan state, Illinois. Well, well, it was fun while it lasted, Illinois. Uh, you gave us a loss in our, in our pick record, and I'm not very happy about that. So, uh, I mean, not, and there's not even much there. It's just you you let Michigan State beat you at home, talked a lot of trash, and now you're two-loss team. <laughs> I think that Michigan State guys, man, I think they just kind of stepped up. You know, they had eight players – you know, suspended because of the brawl against Michigan week before last, which didn't affect them as bad as we thought it would. Exactly, and I think I, I think either one of two things either that was the case, or you know, if it was if it I don't know who was suspended, but if it was guys that you know were important to the roster, the guys that feel you know, the the second stringers, they stepped up and they said, you know what, we're going to go and get this win for our brothers, and you know they did so definitely. Uh, next one, I'll let uh, this. Oh my gosh, Liberty at Arkansas. Man, Arkansas, where are you at? Like, gave us another loss. I remember Isaac texted the chat after they won and been like, it wasn't even that. They were up 21 to 3, and Isaac was like, man, I should have, I knew I should have freaking picked. Because I said it, I said it week before last, two weeks ago. I said, I think, I said, hot take, I think Liberty might go to Arkansas and win. And then Arkansas played fairly well in week nine. So I said, well, maybe not. So I picked the freaking Hogs. And what do they do? They lose. Now, granted, I wanted to lose again this weekend, obviously, but. Liberty showed up, and I'm just pissed I didn't pick them. I will say, though, they did show up, 
but they almost gave it away in the second half. They didn't score a single point in the second half. I mean, I mean, Sam must have been in the in the in the locker room at halftime screaming because <laughs> they came out and they actually showed up in the second half. But it was too late. Uh, actually, they almost tied it. it. Was they scored it at nineteen? They were two points behind. They had to get a had to get a two point to tie it, and they and they did not. So. Uh, they almost tied it, but last game we're going to talk about, uh, and I, I, I'm glad we're talking about this one, because, uh, I, I, man, Clemson, Notre Dame, I got one thing to say about Clemson. I've been saying it all season. Overrated. And you can go back and look on episode one of this podcast after Clemson played Georgia Tech week one. I said, if things don't turn around at Clemson, they're going to lose a regular season game, probably to Notre Dame. Those are my words. So I picked this game in week one, and I said Clemson was going to lose in week one to Notre Dame in South Bend. And guess what happened? They lost to Notre Dame in South Bend. Okay? So I, I said it all season, you know, because a lot of people have been like, well, they beat like two top 15 AP teams. And I'm like, those teams were also bad. And they were talking about Wake Forest and NC State. Wake Forest is now 6-3. and three. NC State is 7-2. and two. Syracuse lost to Pitt this weekend, and they almost lost to, to Syracuse at home. Like, Clemson is just overrated, dude. I mean, because of their strength of schedule, I don't care if they beat how many AP top 15 teams because all of those teams are now either out of the top 25 or below 15. And they've all taken one to two losses since they've played Clemson. Okay? So, I mean, their their strength of schedule now looks terrible. Okay? Clemson needed this win. They had to win this game. But they just couldn't escape South Bend. And not only did they not escape South Bend, they got destroyed in South Bend. Like, Isaac, what what were your thoughts on this game? Well, first of all, I want to say that in Week 9, after Notre Dame went into the Carrier Dome and handled Syracuse, I texted Mason and said, hot take, Notre Dame will upset Clemson next weekend in South Bend. And lo and behold... That's what happened. Now, there's no credit to me. I'm just I was going off of the the close close call that Clemson had against Syracuse at their Death Valley, and it happened. I mean, Clemson and had had Syracuse's offense executed, they would have beat Clemson. Period. End of story. But and and it leads me to the question of: Is it DJ or is it a quarterback problem? Is it an overall personnel problem? I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, Notre Dame handled them, and this is a Notre Dame team that didn't start off great. They lost to Marshall. You know, they had a rough start to the season, and Notre Dame, all in all, we were like, well, Marcus Freeman, he sucks. And it's like, well, I mean, he's kind of turned things around. He beat Clemson, and they were, on paper, a top-four team. I think Michigan should have been in over them, but that's my opinion. Um, But, yeah, man, Notre Dame played really well, and Clemson did not. And, you know, like I said, just leaves me to question, what, what is the solution for Dabo and Clemson? I don't know. Um, but the fact of the matter is they took a, they took a loss, and I think that they they're probably this will probably be the year that they may lose the ACC title. I don't know. I think I think UNC has a chance to beat them here in a few weeks, and um, we'll just see. Well, I mean, they lost the ACC title last year too. Man, it was Pitt and Wake Forest in the final two in the ACC. That's right. Uh, I That's right. man, because some people were like, and remember Joey said this too: if DJ plays, they're going to lose. And he thinks that Klebnik is better. Now, I agree with that. Both quarterbacks threw interceptions last night. Cade made a was was getting rushed in the pocket, made a terrible decision, tried to throw it and threw an interception at the at the Clemson twenty, giving the ball over to Notre Dame, and they got a touchdown off of it. Later in the game, in the fourth quarter, well, I think it was the last touchdown Notre Dame got. DJ Uyagalale throws an interception and ends up being a pick six. I mean, I think it's quarterback play. I think it's the offensive line. 
I, I think the defense is struggling a little bit. Clemson just didn't look like a good team. And to me, when they got in at four from the CFP rankings last week, I was like, dude, what are y'all smoking? Because, I mean, I'm, 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 am I the only one that saw that Clemson was overrated? No, I don't think so. I think, I mean, looking at, I was sitting here looking at the yards, and Clemson had less than 300 total yards of offense. Mm-mm-mm. 281 total yards. Like, in, like that, like, okay, that is unbelievable for a team like Clemson that historically has been pretty strong over the past eight years. I mean, and then, they, and they couldn't stop the run game. I mean, Notre Dame threw for 85, but they rushed for 263. That's insane. And, and Clemson is a squad, I don't know what happened, but like, you know, Brent Venables obviously. It's, it's offensive line, bro. It's offensive line. I'm telling you, that's the problem. The problem at Clemson has been their offensive line. It's been that all season. Ever since the Georgia Tech game, when I said, this team will lose a regular season game if they don't fix their offensive line and if they don't get DJ turned around. Well, in the first couple weeks, they actually got DJ turned around and it looks like he was playing really well. Came up against Syracuse and, I mean, started getting obliterated by Syracuse defense, put in Cabe Klubnik, and they still barely won. So I, I knew they were going to take a regular season loss at some point. I knew they weren't going to be able to get things turned around quick enough. I mean, they're definitely hurting not having Brent Venables. Uh, I think that Clemson is still on a turnaround. I don't, I, I, by no means do I think the Dabo dynasty is out, over. But I mean, and even though it doesn't matter, the AP poll still put Clemson at number 12. So this team is not, I mean, they dropped seven points because they lost to Notre Dame and, and Notre Dame got ranked at 20. Which I mean, I actually kind of agree with that. They're in, they're in my personal top twenty-five. Every week, I try to you know guess what the top twenty-five is going to be come Tuesday. Now that it's <laughs> now that it's uh, the CFP rankings, but yeah, man, I just Clemson, dude. I they're definitely they're definitely a little overrated. Well, actually, not a little overrated. They're a lot overrated. I'm pretty pretty mm, on this. But yeah, that's our podcast. We definitely took a long time talking about Georgia, Tennessee, and LSU, Alabama. But man, two great games that meant so much to both of us in the grand scheme of things just because of how amazing these two games were and also because they went in our favor so (laughs) go dogs and go daggers uh it it was a great weekend in college football i mean especially for uh, i mean for me at least i mean you had georgia win alabama lose and clemson lose you know two of the teams that i don't like that much and my favorite team winning also i mean I'm not an LSU fan by any means. If we come up against them in the SEC championship, it's go dogs all day, and they're gonna lose because of our defense. <laughs> but uh, it's fair. It's fair. I've already, I've already, I've already come to that realization now that we're first place in the West. But man, I LSU kind of won me over in 2019 because I, I just Burrow was, and that, not just Burrow, but I mean Burrow, Jamar Chase, Edwards, Hilaire, Thaddeus Moss, everybody on that team was just special, I and mean, and that defense was special. They just kind of won me over. I was like, you know, this is a good freaking LSU team. And I just love their swagger. I love Joe Burrow. And, uh, I mean, yeah, man, go Tigers. <laughs> so, Joe, Joe Burrow is so cute, man. Dude, chill out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's our podcast. And it's it's been a fun week. And we're super excited for week 11. Week 11. We're super excited for week 11. Uh, just so you guys know, tomorrow night, Tuesday at 7 o'clock, we'll be live streaming on Facebook. We'll be live stream reacting to the college football playoff rankings. Uh, we'll have our own rankings up on the screen and uh, just to see how we match up and see what our thoughts are, and uh, it'll be a good, fun time. But always remember, no matter what team you pull for, if you're on God's side, you're always on the winning team. Romans 5.8 tells us that while we were still sinners, while we were still the enemies of God, he sent his only son to die for us, to prove his love for us. Not because we were so great and amazing and kind, but because we were 
literal ruthless sinners who needed to be saved from ourselves. He loved us so much, he sent his only son to die for us. Jesus took the cross to bear your sin, to bear your punishment, and he loves you so much. What a love that he would do that. After all the times that we sinned against him and went against him, he still did that because he loves us. So if you ever want to talk about it, just know that Salvation in Jesus is very close to the heart of TBD Sportscast. We'd love to talk about that with you. You can hit us up on our Instagram DM, send us a message on Facebook, or, you know... Just leave a comment on this YouTube video, and we'll talk to you about Jesus. We love you guys. We're praying for you, and uh, heck yeah, go dogs. Go Tigers. Bye-bye. Later.